0: How's it going, Blake? Hey, not bad. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. We're, nice. We're,
1: we're recording. We're live. Well, I guess we're not live, but we're recording. Perfect. <laughs> How are you doing, man?
0: Oh, real good. Real good. Yeah. Wait,
1: are you uh, just wrapping up practicing or what?
0: No, actually, I just got home for the night from work. Um, I, I shot a little bit this morning, actually quite a bit. But yeah, I didn't get a chance to shoot this evening, unfortunately. It was just a little <laughs> busy.
1: Do you normally do uh, like double days?
0: I do actually. I'm 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 still addicted to actually the the practice routine. Um, I'll wake up in the morning generally, get up around 6 a.m. and then I'll shoot for a couple hours before I go into the shop. And then usually after I get home, I'll shoot a little bit with the wife for an hour or so because she's she's pretty big into it or she's getting back into it as well. Um, Dude, so that is awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. So it works out pretty good.
1: Oh, man, get a wife that shoots. I, I built my wife a bow, but unfortunately, she's not she's not feeling it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She uh, you know, she she got pretty good there for for quite a while before we had our son. And uh, then for about three, four years, she didn't shoot at all. And now she's just kind of getting back into it. And it's crazy because she has literally picked up where she left off. Um, like she didn't miss a beat. I mean, she's probably actually already shooting better than she was before she stopped shooting. So, Oh, that's cool. Yeah.
1: Well, Blake, uh, I have a ton, like a ton of questions for you, man. Like for everyone that doesn't know, uh, who Blake Jerome is, he has won every outlaw this year. I don't think it's ever been done like this where it's a clean sweep right across the board. Um, Dude, tell us, like, what else have you, what have you won this year? Like, it's been pretty much everything.
0: Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not honestly one to brag or talk myself up, um, but it, it has been a pretty good year. Uh, the biggest thing that, it wasn't a big giant tournament, but the thing that I'm most proud of is I shot a perfect field round this year at, at a field tournament. You shot a perfect field round. Yeah, so that was really cool. And that's kind of always been a goal of mine, honestly, since I started target archery. Because I always heard people say, like, shooting a 560 is is impossible. And I was like, God, someday I've been really close in practice. Um, I, In fact, I've shot a 560 hunter round in practice, but never never a mix of field or hunter and never in a tournament. Wow, Um, dude. So I, I just kind of have always told myself, like, that's kind of my big goal. Before I stop shooting a bow, I really want to lay down a five sixty at some point. And it was just one of those days where just kind of everything just really, really clicked. And I think you did it in
1: competition also.
0: Right, right. So, so this
1: is not just like you rolled out and did it. Like you 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 did it like under you know, under the watchful eye of peers, man.
0: Yeah, so it was it was really cool. Um and then let's see uh i shot a personal best 900 round a couple of weekends ago i shot an 898 um jesus i shot let's see on our on our safari our state safari i didn't do as well i shot like a 1531 or 1532 it was still solid um uh, that's but very solid dude it, it was at Darrington, and that's a that's a real tough course uh, yes there, i mean there's there's been several this year it's been it's been a honestly a really good year i really feel like things are are really really clicking and Probably my execution right now is as good as maybe it will ever be. And uh, so I'm just really trying to double down and push hard right now because I am shooting so well. I want to keep doing it as much as I can.
1: Well, dude, one of the things that – like we had kind of had like a message exchange a couple weeks ago, and one of the things that you said that I really – like it really clicked with me was that you said that you're like, I'm just a regular guy that puts in the work.
0: Yeah, dude, that's it. I mean, and that's what I tell people almost on a daily basis at the shop is, is that there's, there's, I don't think that there's a special type of person physically or anything like that, that, that is just built purposely to be a good archer. I think that anybody can be good if they're willing to put in the work and, and for myself, I've gotten to a point where. I just enjoy the practice because I know what the practice, what it will get me. I know that if I am diligent and I do shoot every single day, that I will continue to get better. And so I really enjoy the practicing where a lot of people, the only time they shoot is when they go to tournaments or whatever. Like yeah. I spent a lot. And then those people of-
1: are always like the ones that are like, oh, I didn't, I didn't shoot great. And they're, you know, they're, I was like, dude, what do you expect, man?
0: Right. And that's, and that's exactly it. And I think, I think where I try and separate myself is – I, I, I listened to your podcast the other day with Randy and he said it exactly how I always say it is that I just refuse to be outworked by people. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's really what I try and live by. And that's what I coach the Isabel and Kaylee, the twins that I coach. Um, okay. I, I always preach that to them. Like you might get beat sometimes that's inevitable. You're, you're going to get beat. You're not going to win everything, but don't get outworked by anybody. And uh, so that's just kind of the philosophy that we live by. Just shoot. If, if you want to be good at something, anything worth doing is worth overdoing. So that's yeah. kind of that's kind of how I approach it.
1: Yes, dude. Um, when I shot my best, I was practicing for, I think, at least four hours a day. Uh, indoor, you know, whether or not it was indoor season or outdoor. Um, and the like, people would ask me, like, what's your secret? And I would always quote Lance Armstrong. He said, "We have or He said, "I have the oldest trick in the book. It's hard work." And I always thought that was super cool. I mean, I you know, Lance was doping, but everyone in his sport was doping, so you, you could distill it down to hard work. I was, I'm still a Lance Armstrong fan, even though it's a whole different sport. But like the the hard work is something that, like I I truly believe in, and you are shooting scores that, like eclipsed even my greatest accomplishments and it's a really amazing thing to see right now
0: I I mean I I really really do appreciate that and I appreciate you know all the kind words that I've gotten from people over the last couple days about Oregon and I I mean truly I do appreciate it but it is it is exactly what you said it's just it's it's just I work as hard as I can to be better and every single day that I do practice I don't just shoot arrows just to shoot arrows i am always actively trying to get better at something i'm 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 a big proponent of really sitting down and analyzing performances and trying to figure out where are the areas that i can be stronger and where are the areas that i can be better and usually where where it leads me back to is execution and from very early on i realized that kind of what separates an elite level shooter from everybody else is their ability to execute a release accurately and consistently and Uh so that's and that's where i put a ton of my work into and that's why i've always been such a big proponent of blank bailing and really just standing there in front of the target i mean i tell people all the time and i don't know if people believe me but 90 percent of what i do for training is standing in front of a bail and just blank bailing and making my execution as perfect as possible because as
1: perfect as possible i take it like you're talking about shot timing
0: shot timing, consistency, just everything about the shot feeling as robotic as possible. That's always, that's kind of always what I preach to everybody is good shooters. If you look down the line in Vegas on the pro line, the good shooters look robotic. Every single thing that they do is always exactly the same from shot to shot to shot to shot. So very, so very early on, it was like, okay, well, that's what I need to mimic. I need to be robotic in every single thing that I do. And that, and that's really my secret is just, shooting to be robotic to do everything exactly identical every time it doesn't matter if it's a 102 yards or if it's a three yard shot everything shot timing and and just the setup of the shot everything about it is always identical and that's and that's what i strive to do
1: that makes a lot of sense i mean what we are trying to do is be as repeatable as possible exactly dude you shot so good in oregon two down i told uh I think it was Alan Benetta. I was like, "If you want to beat Blake, you have to be Chris Perkins." <laughs> <laughs> maybe,
0: maybe not, maybe not that high of a level. But I mean, it was just, it was just a good weekend. It was just one of those that, Dude, just... not to blow smoke up your ass, but you are at
1: that level. I mean, you were like right there, man. With dropping one or two is, do you know what the the high score was in Oregon? I think it was three or four years ago
0: somebody was telling me that ben shot it one down um
1: you yeah, do know ben hobbs shot it one down at one time but the last time i shot it in the amateur male freestyle class the score that took it i want to say was eight down
0: yeah yeah that sounds about right i i won it four or five years ago at 10 down um and and that felt really really good actually. I felt like I shot it really well. Never in my wildest dreams would I ever imagine that I could ever do that course two down. And okay. to be and to be completely honest with you, uh, one of the shots that I missed was that super steep downhill seventeen yarder. And it's was a it, sh- yeah,
1: okay, the super steep hill seventeen yarder. It's range is it marked for twenty? Well, it's, actually, it's, it's right, so
0: ultra steep. Yeah, the, it's marked for twenty, but the cosine tells you to shoot it for about 16, sixteen eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just talked myself out of it. I just made a terrible, terrible shot. I don't know that I've ever 22'd that target. And I walked up to it and just in the back of my mind, it was just like, yep, you're going to miss this one. And sure enough, that's what it, exactly what I did. And and it was frustrating to me because I know better than to let negative thoughts creep in like that. And I just, it was just a moment of weakness and I made the most terrible shot that you could possibly make and just straight missed it. The other one that I missed was the 80-yard Bigfoot very first shot broke and I hit dead center money dot. And I was like, oh, cool. That was awesome. Uh-huh. Um, the second shot, I I thought that I made just as good of a shot and I just missed it low. So, I, you know, other other than that, I, I don't know that I could have shot. I, I don't know that I could even do it again. I mean, I don't know that I could have shot my boat any better. I mean, shots that's were just breaking dead center.
1: Feeling. I say that's a good feeling when you walk off knowing like, all right, I left it all out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly it. I mean, I honestly, if I, if I wouldn't have been stupid, maybe I could have shot a 13, 19. I shouldn't have missed it. 17 yards. The my 80 God. yarder is just, it is what it is. And then also you're always going to have some where you just, you just get kind of lucky. And I certainly had three or four arrows where you shoot the shot and you're like, uh, and they're like, yep, just in <laughs> at one or whatever. And it's just yeah, like, oh, dude. thank dude, my God. Highest so- safari score.
1: I had, about six of those.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it was just one of those things where it's like everything that could go right went right. I mean, I those those ones that were edgy and, and close, they always went my way. And that's just that's, – that's why it went so well. I mean – Right. Well,
1: also, I mean, the amount of practice you put in makes those edgy ones a little closer to the middle than out. Right. After, right.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: So, dude, you're about to go to Alaska to shoot the sectionals.
0: Yeah. So I'm gonna, I'm leaving Thursday morning. Um, I, I doubt that there will be a great turnout up there in Alaska, but I shot it five years ago. Uh, the last time it was in Alaska, um, it was so much fun and it was such an amazingly beautiful course that I told myself that the next time it's in Alaska, I'm going to go. So I actually just found out a few weeks ago that it was in Alaska. So I was like, damn it, if I don't go, then it's not going to be there for another five years. And, I'll just go ahead and do it. It'll be a good practice for Yankton, so I'm going to go up there and do that. Wait, is um, the
1: sectional a field
0: round? The sectional is a field round. Yeah, so it'll be a, it'll be a full field, and it'll be great because you know three four days later is Outdoor Nationals in Yankton, and I'm going to that, so it'll be a great warm up round. Oh, sweet. So that
1: event in Yankton is that gonna? That's the um, the NFAs event where it's gonna be a bunch of events, right?
0: Correct. I, I I forgot what they're calling it. They're like it's they're calling it like the Roundup or something. But mm-hmm. they'll have Outdoor Nationals, the First Dakota Classic, and then Outdoor Target Nationals, which is the the nine hundred round and whatever that other format is. They do. I don't know. I'm not actually practicing for those. The only one that I really care about is Outdoor Nationals. I'm trying real hard for that one, and the other ones I'll just shoot because I'm there. Is Outdoor Nationals?
1: That's not a feed around, is it?
0: Outdoor nationals is field. Oh, it's a field round. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's it'll be a full. It's been so field. long
1: since I like I took a stab at. Okay, so I took a stab at shooter of the year once, and I did not have to shoot all these like super different formats. <laughs> I only had to shoot a couple. Yeah. So that's cool.
0: Are you going for shooter of the year? I I'm not. No, I just I. Outdoor Nationals has always kind of been one on the list where, I mean, for the last like 10 years, kind of since I first started this whole target archery thing was always on the list of like, God, that would be the one that I would want to win. I love field field NFAA fields, my favorite round in archery. I think it is the best round to determine who the better shooter is that weekend because yeah. it's such a marathon and it's just such a, it's just an enduring hard round, yeah. um, so that's kind of always been my favorite round. It's, it's allure is the fact that it's it's a gettable round. It is definitely cleanable if you're if you're at a high level. But there's so many arrows that you're bound to make a mistake. So it's just that pursuit of perfection is really, really, yeah. it's enticing to me. I really like that.
1: You have to stay focused. You have to stay in the game the whole time. Exactly. Oh, dude, that is, uh, this is exciting. I'm excited for you, man. This is really cool.
0: Thank you, I appreciate that.
1: Are you? Do you have um? Like, I'm sure you're already qualified for your pro card. Do you have any aspirations to get in your pro card? Man, I have
0: people. T- this is a this is a contentious one for me because I know a lot
1: of people what? have been tossing this around, and so that's why I was gonna I wanted to save that one and ask you on the on the show.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, the the reason that I haven't is because I don't have anybody in Washington that's, that's really a pro. And we have a lot of good amateur shooters in Washington. And to be uh, honest, m- most of what I do is at the state and local level. So if I was to go pro, I would shoot all of these state tournaments essentially by myself. And right, right, right. And, and the only really time that I go to these big tournaments is like Reading. and Reading, I shoot the money class. So I'm already shooting with those guys in Vegas. Yes. I shoot, you know, I shoot the championship. Um, outdoor nationals all have to shoot amateur but like the outlaw you know we get a chance to shoot money against pro it's just everybody's mixed um so there's not a lot of tournaments that i go to where i'm not shooting the higher classes anyway so going pro to me i don't know it's really not worth it it's 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 not super worth it in my mind and uh it's archery is one of those weird sports to me where it's like the only sport where you can just be a pro you can just you know you don't you don't have to earn it you can just be a pro
1: the qualifying scores to be a pro
0: are are ridiculous yeah they're ridiculous yeah Uh, it literally anybody that's been shooting a bow for three months can qualify to be a pro and yeah and and i'm a big proponent i don't like the fact that people can stay in the amateur class and hog it like i i honestly as as uh, counterintuitive as that sounds i actually don't like that i am a big proponent of there should be an automatic move-up rule in archery. If you're shooting you know such and such scores, you should be forced to move up to pro, and then we wouldn't have this issue of everybody staying in the amateur class. But for me, 90% of the tournaments that I shoot are at the state level, and I don't want to go to these tournaments and shoot by myself. I want to go shoot with my buddies who give me a run and push me. Yeah, so, so that that's actually so- challenging. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm not opposed to doing the pro thing. I just think on a state level, it would be kind of lame.
1: Well, dude, I heard – what was it? Um, Tim Gillingham said it – like when me and Rudy Sandoval were in Cincinnati, um, Tim Gillingham said there is – he's he was – like someone was talking about getting their pro card, and he was like – oh, like, you really jazzed about your pro card? He was like, it's really, like, pointless, really. And the guy's like, what do you mean? He's like, there's really no pro class anymore. There's a money class and there's a non-money class. And you can either shoot for money, and in which case, if you want to, anyone can do it. You don't need a pro card. And then there's the class where you can shoot for
0: fun. Yeah, and that's
1: that's kind of a lot of sense to me.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at because I'm like, well, any, any time that I can shoot in the pro class or the money class, I do it just, you know, at, we went right. to South Dakota back this winter, we were in South Dakota for that Rushmore rumble. Oh. I, sh- I shot in the money class. You know what I mean? Like any chance that I have to do that, I'm going to do that. Um, right. But to get a pro card, just to call myself a pro, I don't know, man. I, don't, <laughs> I it for me, it, it just, <laughs> It seems like to be a pro, you should make a living shooting a boat. And I don't do that. You know what I mean? Pro, A, a pro status is for people that are traveling around like Tate and Paige and all those guys that they make right. their living doing this. And 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 that's not to, to say anything about people that do have the pro card. I mean, everybody has their reasons and anybody that wants to shoot pro, they're more than entitled to do so. It's just for me, I just, I don't know, man. Hey, I, I'm, I, I'm right there with you. I'm right yeah. there with this. So. Dude, Blake, I had
1: my pro card and the year that I had it, I shot like I, I shot in Vegas and Reading like the way I would normally, you know? And then afterwards I, I was just like, "Oh, well, you know, I just paid extra for nothing
0: really." Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at. I'm just like, "So, but again, if they went to the automatic move up rule, I'd be more than I I honestly think that that's how they should do it because we do have an issue even at the state level. Where people refuse to travel across the state and go to our state tournaments because they feel like they don't have a shot to win. And and on one hand, I I hate that mentality because when I first started, I was getting my ass kicked by by everybody. And I still went to everything. I didn't, I didn't let that get me defeated. I was just like, yeah, I mean, they're beating me now, but I'm eventually gonna get better at this, right? So right. I just kept going. And I never had that thought of oh, well, I can't win, so I'm not going to go. For me, it was always about personal growth. Like, here's what I shot at this tournament last year. I would like to beat that. And my idea was just, hey, if I just keep breaking my personal best, eventually I will be somewhere up there at the top, and I'll be competitive with these guys. Right. So on one hand, I hate that mentality of, well, I can't win, so I don't want to go. But on the other hand, I completely understand why somebody doesn't want to waste their weekend and drive six hours across the state for a tournament that they have no chance of winning. I, I understand that aspect as well. So I, it, it's, it's contentious. It's a hard one for me.
1: Right. Right. Now that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Um, it's one of the things that I love about the outlaw, the outlaw will bring out, you know, more people. And it's one of the things that, it, you know, it, it brought you down. Are you from, are you from Washington, Blake?
0: I am from Washington. Yeah. Centralia up there, ju- just South of Olympia and Puyallup area. Uh, is, do You so is Henry Bass up there? Yeah, he's down in where is he? He's in La center, so that's another probably 35 40 minutes south of me.
1: And then, uh, is, is Bodie Turner from Washington?
0: Yeah, Bodie's out in Eatonville, which actually Eatonville is this tiny little town, and uh, that just so happens to be where the twins Isabel and Kaylee are out of as well. Is oh, Eatonville. Right on. yeah,
1: so did you get do
0: you like regularly get to mix it up with? Like Bodie or Henry? Henry doesn't come out to as much stuff as I would like him to, because he's (laughs) one of those guys that obviously is all, he's always right there. I mean, Henry's a phenom. He's done everything. Um, Bodie. I see him quite often. Bodie goes to most of the state stuff. Um, Bodie generally goes to a lot of the same club shoots that I go to. So, so Bodie and I get a chance to shoot against each other quite often. And you know that that kid is an absolute phenom. I mean, our our days of winning tournaments around here are probably pretty numbered. I mean, he just keeps <laughs> getting stronger and stronger and stronger. So Other I mean, them,
1: dude, it seems like I, I'm always kind of preaching that, like, you know, California archers are are kind of like up and coming, but it seems like you guys up in Washington have, have tapped into something. You guys have tapped into something crazy here. Because well, you guys are shooting like I know Bodie shoots like some insane indoor scores and outdoor scores. You're shooting like damn near Perkins level scores. So it's I don't know. I feel like uh, now California's got some catch up.
0: I do. mean, I, you know what I really think it is is that competition breeds excellence. So when you get a couple of guys, and and this all started years ago. I mean, when when I was coming up. There was a couple guys, Sean Elza, Kit. Kit, who shot actually really phenomenal this weekend, too. For I mean, he hasn't shot a bow in so long. He goes out there and shoots a 1306 without even trying. Is that Those... Kit Pacheco? Yes. So all of these guys, they, they were ahead of me, and I was kind of chasing them. And then we all kind of got to this level where on any given day, either of us could win. Matt Schmitz was another one back then. John Huvel A lot of these guys were shooting really well. And then we just all kept pushing each other. And it was like, okay. A fifteen twenty five is what you need to win, and then it was all of a sudden okay. A fifteen thirty is what you need to win, and so we just kept pushing each other and leapfrogging, and then a lot of these guys kind of started to fall off a little bit, and uh, and so now Bodie, because he's just getting you know he's getting old enough to shoot with the adults now, he sees like oh this is the bar that we have to get to to win these tournaments, so naturally that's where he's going to push himself to get to. So I think that when when you get a lot of good shooters in an area everyone around them just kind of starts to elevate their game because they have to, you either elevate your game or you don't ever win.
1: Right. I think also people see what's possible. I don't think like, I know the guys at my local club would never dream of cleaning a field round, you know, but I know if someone, you know, if someone in that club had done it, then it would be like, Oh, this is possible. Like this is doable. Like someone out there can do it, you know, not to say that anyone can do it. I'm just saying like, you know, when you shoot your first 300, you're like, Oh crap, this is possible.
0: This is doable. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I do think that what can kind of start to separate some people, I, I say that anybody can be good at archery, but it does take a, a very specific type of mindset and it takes, it takes the type of person that says, okay, this is doable and I'm going to go get it. And for me, like when, when I was coming up and I was watching these guys. So my, my, my story. So here's, here's my story of my first tournament, right? I, I got a bow and I, I had been bow hunting my entire life and I thought that I was pretty good. Right. And so I was like, I want to get into target archery. I want to do this. So I go to this one day tournament um, in Puyallup, Washington. It's just a one day 42 target out of nine twenty four, Right. And I shoot like a, it was like in the eight seventies and dude, I came off the course and I was like, I'm a badass. That was the greatest score of all time. Like, I hit so many of these dots today, right? And then you got like Sean Elza coming off at two down, and I'm like, what in the hell? I didn't even (laughs) know. I didn't even know you could be that good at archery, right? I had no idea. That was my first like aha moment of like, holy shit, you can actually be really, really good at this. And then you know, 15 people proceeded to come off the course with way better scores than mine. So I was like, OK, well, I guess I suck at this and I need to get a lot better. Um, so so that's exactly it was just like, OK, well, if this guy can do it, then I certainly can do it. And if he can shoot two down, then it's probably possible to clean it and not drop any. And so I have just I don't know. I have just I've I've never put limits on on what is possible and i tell the same thing to isabel and kaylee actually because i shoot with them all the time and i'm always pushing them to be better and i've always told them hey don't don't look at who the best female archers are out there look at who the best archers are out there and try to do that Mm -hmm. right if jesse broadwater can go out there and shoot a 1539 then then you can too it is possible to do it
1: right do you remember that movie the edge with anthony hopkins Yes. Yeah. He said, "What well, one man can do another can do.
0: Yeah, that's exactly I about killing a
1: bear. But I was like, I was all about that. I used to scream that to my buddy when we were practicing because it was the same deal. You know, it was like, hey, like this is doable. There's no target that isn't hittable. You know, there's no target that can't be 20 or 22.
0: That That's exactly right. And that's the mindset that you have to have. And and that's the championship type mindset that you have to have if you're going to be successful that so many people don't have that. I mean, there's so the problem with, with target archery in my mind is that so many people are coming off the course and they're looking at the guys that are shooting the top scores and they get defeated because, well, they're 40 points behind. And it's like, okay, well, what's the best score you've ever shot? If an 860 is the best score you've ever shot and you come off the course, and you shot an 864 but the but the top guy shot an 878 dude you should be you should be so excited about the way that you shot because you just shot a personal best right you're moving forward exactly and every time that you go to these tournaments you should just be striving to shoot a personal best and and while i wouldn't be necessarily happy with an 864 i can certainly be happy for that guy who just shot a personal best in fact I I try to be super motivating to everybody. Anybody that comes off the course and they're like, "Man, I just shot a personal best!" It could be forty points less than what I would consider good for myself. I'm still gonna high five them and give them a hug and all that. You know, I'm I'm gonna be genuinely happy for them right. because I love the competition and I want these guys to push themselves. I want them to be yeah. right there at that same level so we can have those battles.
1: I always figure I I, I am also. I try to be as encouraging as possible to people because I always assume that, or I always figure that everyone's at a different point on this path. And this is all like a path of like, I don't know, you know, self-exploration or, you know, self-expression or whatever. And everyone's on this, on a different point on this long timeline of figuring it out. So, you know, I guess some people get further than others, but we always try to Help people along on
0: that path. Yeah, and it it always just it always just comes back to how much work are you willing to put into it, and and being honest with yourself. You know, I I talk to a lot of people who want it, but they just kind of want it. You know, they they don't shoot their bow every day, and when they do shoot their bow, they shoot their bow forty arrows, and they call it a and they call <laughs> it a night. And it's like yeah. if. If the top guys are shooting 200 to 300 arrows a day, 40 arrows isn't going to get it done. You're not going to get there. So you really got to ask yourself, how bad do you want it? And if you want it really, really bad, then you've got to sacrifice to be able to obtain it. You know, And that might mean you don't get 8 to 10 hours of sleep a night. You might only get 4 to 6 hours of sleep because you have to stay up late standing in the garage doing your blank bailing routine mm-hmm. to get to the level that you want to be at. And there's just too many people that just don't have that motivation, and and right. that's and that's really weird. And and not everybody wants to be at that super elite right. level. They just want to go out and they want to hang out with their buddies and shoot bows, and that's fine too. Yes. But if you but if I you do want to be at that level, want,
1: some people want the glory, but they don't want everything that comes with it.
0: Yep. Like, yep. like
1: what comes with the glory is a lot of fucking hard work.
0: Yeah, and that's it, and that's and that's what separates people. You know, the people like. You know, your buddy, and I'm, I'm starting to get to know him a little bit better, but Austin. I mean, Austin is absolutely killing it right now, and he's going to continue. Yes. Because it's obvious that he is putting in the work, and he's doing his due diligence, and he's doing everything that he can. And, I mean, he went out and put up a fantastic round this weekend. Yes. If you would have asked me at the beginning of the weekend, said, hey, Blake, you can have a – 13-15, right now, you don't have to shoot the course. Take it or leave it. I would have been like, hell yeah, sign me up for 13-15. That's giant, <laughs> right? That's huge. I never would have guessed that I was going to go out there and shoot two down. It just, it just, you know, all the chips fell my direction this time. But, I mean, that's a giant score, and he is going to continue to do that, obviously. Yeah. Um, I do you can believe just Austin
1: is always going to hit. I, I think he's always going to hit hard, you know, and as he, you know, as time goes on, I think he's going to be a more... Like sure bet,
0: you know. Oh, I, 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 mean, when when I look around this weekend and I say, okay, these are the guys in the amateur class that I'm competing against. Who's going to be right there with me? I mean, I could have told you in the beginning who was probably going to end up on the podium. Like, if I made it on the podium myself, who would be the other two people that were going to be with me? And yeah, I, be guys mean, with you. It would, it would be Bodie and and Austin, right? And uh-huh. and I don't know which order we're going to be in because either one of those guys could have just as easily won. Um, but I I I know that they're gonna be there because those guys shoot strong every single time.
1: Right. Uh,
0: I got to shoot with Austin in the first uh, leg of the Outlaw, and me and him were arrow for arrow for for most of the weekend. Was that and, down in Fresno? He, he was in Fresno. Yeah, he shot all three. Um, but yeah, in Redding, you know, we got somewhere towards the end, and I can't remember exactly what happened. I can't oh, remember. That's it was, what it was. Letting it was the out.
1: Redding uh, warm up with the the first Outlaw? Yeah, so it, it was switched up.
0: Yeah. He, he was going to let down or, or, something happened and he ended up shooting an eight. And I, you know, that, that's one of those things where it's just like, God dang it. Like, you don't want to see a guy do that. You want, you want him to push right. hard to the end and, you know, see who has the better day. But, you know, th- so that kind of sucked. And I can't remember, I think I was only up like one or two points, maybe at that point. Um, so, so that was kind of, but Austin's always going to be right there and he's a fantastic shot and he's going to continue to be a fantastic shot.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm really looking forward. Like, you've definitely changed, like, kind of like the layout of the Outlaws now, or at least the, you know, the who's who of like who to watch for, and uh, and Austin's another one of those guys that's going to change it. And it's just kind of exciting to see where it goes in the next, you know, next year or two years or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and he's got the benefit of being a lot younger than me. How old is he? The Early twenties.
1: Uh, I thought he was like. Seventeen or
0: eighteen? Yeah. yeah so he, So, <laughs> yeah, so you
1: know, he's in his twenties. <laughs>
0: I. I mean, I'm not. I'm not super old, but I'm 32. So he's got at least 10 years on me. So you know, I mean, I know. He, and
1: those, dude, those kids got such good eyesight now, man. It's and he, Yeah.
0: So, so he's just gonna keep getting stronger, where I'm gonna keep getting older and probably start to get worse. So. Nah, it's I nonsense,
1: mean, dude. We get better with age. Come
0: on. Yeah. yeah we'll see.
1: Well, hey So, like, on this topic of, like, I'm gonna dial it back to hard work again. Um, I have noticed on your bow that you shoot so fucking much that the anodizing is wearing off of your bow.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I've always seen that one other time. Yeah. Back when I played paintball, like the pros that played paintball, <laughs> they wore the anodizing
0: off of their guns. Yeah, my, my buddy noticed that the other day, Kit. And he was like, what what the hell? What's up with your bow? And I'm like, dude, I shoot a lot. I don't know. Dude, that's just from your hands? <laughs> it's just from my hands, yeah. Yeah, oh it's it's wearing gosh, off. <laughs> I just, I, I seriously, I still try to shoot my bow three hours or so a day. Like I said, I, tr- I try and get two hours in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then I try and get an hour when I get home. So so I'm averaging about three to four hours every single day. Um, that's
1: like this, the amount of time that we will do it, man.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, I got, you know, I got a, I got a four-year-old son and, you know, uh, you know, I got a wife and, and family and all that. So I try and juggle it. I wait until everybody leaves in the morning and then I shoot in the morning before I go in. And then, like I said, when I come back, especially right now during the summer, Levi runs out there and he runs around, plays in his power wheels and all that. And, and Trina and I stand there and shoot for an hour or so and uh so cool, so, so we're able to get in we're able to get in a lot of practice and and again that's just that's that's the separation dude okay so i noticed you you do shoot an victor yes
1: do you choose to shoot an victor
0: yeah i really really like that bow a lot actually
1: do you shoot with spyro cans
0: i do yeah i've i've since since the very beginning i've always shot spiral cams and i've tried other bows and i always gravitate back to the spirals they just I, for whatever reason i can aim them really really well
1: what um what kind of tuning do you do on your on your bow
0: so i i try and take a very logical approach on everything i try and find the exact center of the string uh-huh. So I can get that, that even level knock travel as the arrow comes forward. I always run my cams dead. Even I don't want them to be off because I, I, I figure a bunch of engineers that are a lot smarter than me design these bows to be perfectly even. So I'm going to shoot them perfectly. Even. Uh-huh. Um, I like to have exactly 18.7 pounds of holding weight, anything higher, anything lower. I mean, obviously I'm going to fluctuate a little bit in that, but anything a lot higher than that or anything a lot lower than that i don't aim the bow very well anymore i have to have the bow at exactly 54.7 pounds i don't know if that's a mental thing but i i have to have it there or i don't aim the bow well do you have um, a preferred holding weight my holding weight is 18.7 um oh, oh I, that's what you were saying holding yeah bow. Yeah, okay. yeah i was
1: thinking like I, I for some reason i wrote it down on paper thinking it was like how many uh, you know your stabilizer weights or whatever
0: yeah no my weights i run what am i up to like 21 on the front and like 34 or something on the back i don't even know with that i just add weight until the bow stops moving Uh (laughs) um uh, i think
1: also when you're shooting with the frequency that you're shooting like it's kind of something that just naturally i mean when i shot all the time i i shot I i never shot 34 but i shot 21 on my back and 21 on my front and it was just something that it wasn't even like a, an option. It just kind of evolved to be that way.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly it. The the more that I've shot over the years and the stronger my shots become, the more weight I've required to hold the bow steady. I was actually just talking to somebody about this today. He came into the shop and he's just getting into target archery. And he has three ounces on the front. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember those days when I first started. <laughs> and he was like, what, what do you have now? I was like, I don't know, I like 21. I don't know. I haven't even counted. I was just like, <laughs> as your shot gets stronger and as you get stronger physically in your back and your shoulders and all the muscles that you use to shoot a bow, you'll naturally need more weight to make the bow less jittery because you get so strong that the bow just gets jittery. And to right. slow it back down, we need to make it heavy. Right. Um, And I'm a big proponent of trying to get my bow to aim as slow as possible. I know some people like the bow to be a little bit jittery. I Um, want that bow to move as slow as possible in the dot.
1: Right. Yeah. Some people are, are fine with it. And it's like, Hey, whatever it takes to get it in the middle. But I've, I've noticed the same thing that that you have right there is that, you know, you eventually start stacking a little bit more weight.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's got a twofold effect. I mean, also when you start to get nervous you see less sight picture movement. And uh-huh. and that's a big thing for me, right? If I'm if i if I'm about to shoot a good score and I start to get nervous at the end and I start to get jittery in my release hand or whatever, I don't see it in the sight picture and then that's calming to me. You know, right. I my, my brain needs to see that slow sight picture or I will freeze up in the release and the execution doesn't want to happen.
1: Right. I noticed that you shot very well against Paige in Reading with your guys' one-error shoot-off. Do you remember yeah. it was—I was, mean, surely you remember it was like kind of raining, and it was like you versus Paige, one arrow. Yeah, like and she, fifty-five and she, yards or fifty yards.
0: Yeah, I think it—I think it was fifty on the nose. Um, you shot
1: but, like middle, middle, and I think you let down.
0: I did let down a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. I—I uh, I mean, you know, it's Paige. I mean, she had me nervous, you know, and 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 she plugged one. <laughs> And and they were both a little they were a skosh high off a dead center, but she plugged it, and I was just like, oh well, I guess all I can do now is just try and shoot the best one I can. And then I I, I, well, I actually smashed her arrow, and my arrow just happened to glance closer. I mean, it could have just as easily glanced up or glanced either other direction, and she would have won. But it just glanced the right way, and I got it. Um, So that was that one was just kind of shit house luck. I mean, (laughs) you know, that's just I just got lucky on that one. I just. You know, it's not like I put it dead center in the middle for the win. It's just I hit her arrow and it glanced my way. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, but it, but it was the rest still cool. Of us
1: watching, we were like, "Fuck." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it was still cool. It was, it, it was exciting, you know. That was that was the the first real big one of the year where it's like, "Oh, cool, look what I just did." I mean, that was, you know, that's neat to go up against somebody yeah. of that caliber. I thought and... it was
1: particularly cool cuz watching you let down Showed like showed me that you're human, you know, and you know you're you're a regular guy like the rest of us. That's like, oh, okay, let's put this shot down and this one over again, and then yeah.
0: you know, just well, set it
1: upright and, and start it off clean and all that stuff. You know, and
0: anybody that ever watches me shoot, if you ever shoot with me or or you watch me shoot anywhere. Um, I, I consider myself to be very, very disciplined when it comes to letting down. I refuse to ever force a bad shot. I mean, that doesn't, that's not to say that I don't make bad shots. Of course I do, but I refuse to force a bad shot. So as soon as my brain starts sending up that red flag that says, Hey, something is breaking down here. It doesn't feel right. I just go ahead and I abandon that shot and I regroup and I take a breath and, I kind of mentally see what I want to have happen in my in my head, and then I try and I try and regroup and do that. Um, but I I am somebody that will let down several times in the course of a day. I'm getting better to where I don't seem to let down as often because execution is getting stronger. I'm getting more confident, but I I am very disciplined in and how often I will let down. Dude,
1: I think that's that is an important one for anyone that's listening to hear what he said about when you get the red flags going off no one's there's no gun to your head you don't have to take that shot you can let it down and i think that's a that's a really good you know that's a great example basically is is what i'm trying to get
0: well and and i try and think of it i mean i guess the way that i always explain this to people is i i break it down into i'm kind of a numbers guy and i break it down into percentages so let's say i'm shooting this 50 yard shot Uh and let's say that 99 times out of 100 I can hit the dot when I'm not under pressure or whatever so if I draw back I aim at the middle I anchor everything executes perfectly I got about a 99 chance that I'll hit it uh-huh. as soon as I get past my shot timing or as soon as something starts to go wrong that percentage starts falling off the table so if I get you know a second past my normal shot timing that percentage probably falls to 95 or 90 or something like that. If I get two seconds past my window, I'm probably down there at 80%. So for me, it doesn't make sense to ever try and force something because the percentage chance that I have of actually getting the result that I'm after is is falling rapidly, right? And the longer that I hold, the less chance I have of actually obtaining a bullseye. So for me as soon as as soon as i get the red flags i'm like yep nope not gonna shoot this one and i let down
1: (laughs) well it it makes perfect sense and your scores show that you're not just handing out willy-nilly shots you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) i don't know i I, it's all like good stuff that i hope anyone listening you know can can glean something from um back to your bow and your tuning do you tune that void for
0: a bullet hole? I do. So what I what I always do, um, I get I get maybe a little more anal than I, I need to. I don't know. I'm a, a I'm a yeah. I'm a big fan of the bear shaft tuning. I really, really try and get so I always paper tune with bear shafts, and I want that bear shaft to come out of my bow. I, I want it to be a perfect bullet hole, right? At, at four oh. yards, and I want it to be perfect, right? Because what that tells me is that that arrow is coming out of my bow as clean and as efficient as possible because there's no veins to correct any inconsistencies. So I tune that to a bullet hole and then I take a few steps back and now I'm shooting at six yards. And what you'll likely start to see is that, okay, it was perfect at four yards, but now it's starting to tear one direction, um, at six yards. And so then I tune that to a bullet hole and it's, it's just, tiny micro adjustments either in the rest or the cam lean or whatever it is whatever you deem necessary maybe a lot of the times i tune with the back bar to try and to try and really clean that up
1: yes Um, i just i just started bear shaft tuning a bow and saw that your back bar
0: oh huge 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 uh,
1: huge deal in cleaning up your left and rights
0: people don't realize that at all and it and it's huge it's crazy Um, that's nuts. So so awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So, so anyways, I keep working my way back until I can shoot like this perfect bullet hole through paper all the way back to 20 yards. And then I, from there, I will grab a flat shaft and I'll try and get the flat shaft to, or I'll at least see like how far away is my bear shaft from the flat shaft. And generally speaking, if you can get a bullet hole at 20 yards through paper, it's going to be right next to your flat shaft because now essentially your fletch shaft isn't doing any work out of the bow, right? right? The bear shaft is already flying perfect. The fletchings are then just to correct any kind of inconsistencies. And so I will get my bow to where I can stand there at 50 yards and shoot bear shafts in the dot right next to the flet, the fletch shafts at 50 yards. Um, now, obviously, any mistakes are going to cause the bear shaft to get a lot further away from the dot. But good shots, I can hit the dot and they'll fly like bullets. And that's kind of my big thing that i do for tuning i don't do a lot of the like i've just if, if you do if you do what i do i haven't seen a huge need to go out and group tune your rest or do anything like that because you kind of end up finding that sweet spot where the rest needs to be anyways uh-huh. um you so that's like kind of
1: like torque tuning or whatever like bringing your rest in and out and
0: you know i i I have tried it, and i was i I was actually just talking to this to about this to kit the other day and he was saying that he's gotten pretty good results out of it. I honestly haven't really gotten any results out of it. I've dabbled with it and tried, mm-hmm. but out of my bow for whatever or whatever I'm doing if if I start to torque the bow a little bit one way or torque the bow a little bit the other way, they just no matter what I do, if I torque the bow to the left, the arrows just kind of go to the left. If I torque it to the right, they kind of go to the right. And and I've just come to the conclusion that you know what, I need to just learn to shoot my bow without putting torque into the bow. <laughs> yes. I just need to work on my grip and and not worry about I might you know the fact that I might torque my bow. And and I understand that it 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 is very beneficial if you can get results out of it. And I watched the Jesse Broadwater video. Uh where he showed that he got the results. And I was like, God, that looks awesome. I wish I could do that. And it makes sense, you know, shooting up and down extreme hills. I mean, you're going to put different amounts of torque into the bow than you would on flat ground. And so it all makes sense in theory, but I've never gotten real great results doing it myself.
1: Right. I've gotten decent results, like,
0: doing the torque tuning, but it didn't
1: really help me. Like I I Randy Long said it best. Like he was like, Well, you know, yeah, I got the torque tune results, but it seemed like my group's opened up. And that's exactly what I've noticed. It's like cool, but might not be exactly what you need. Maybe it's different for everybody.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think it is one of those things. And I think oh you know, to be completely honest, when it comes to tuning, if you take a hooter shooter and you put an untuned bow on a hooter shooter, it will still hit the same hole every time. So I think a lot of what we do for tuning is honestly just tr- getting your mental game to yes. trust what you have, right? So if I go through all of this and and my my brain says, hey, you have done your due diligence. This boat is perfect. You can just go out there and focus on execution. Then I'm gonna shoot better. If I go out there and I think my cams are out of time or I think something <laughs> yes. is wrong, then I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna make shitty shot after shitty shot. And that's <laughs> yes. and that's just the reality. I've
1: I've seen guys blame something like knock pinch for just just shitting a bunch of points out all day. You know?
0: Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, and, and it happens. Guys are always gonna make excuses and. And generally and it's it's always funny to me, and and I don't I'm not trying to call anybody out or anything like You're that, but fine, all, I'll, do it. I'll do it. for you. <laughs> it's it's always funny to me that you see like these elite level guys and you never see them making equipment excuses, but it's always these guys down here. And it's just all it is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all it ever is is it's just a justification for like, hey, my score's down here, and I need to justify why that yes. is and, and it's like it's like, it's okay, man. It's okay that you didn't have a great day. We, we have all had bad days. It's okay. Just to, you know, sit down. Again, analyze yourself. Figure out what went well. Try and focus on what went well. And then try and write down all the things that went wrong. And next week in practice, work on those. And yeah. you will shoot better the next weekend.
1: Yeah. I think it was... What? um, Lanny Bashir. I, he said that people will do this thing where they'll be like, "Here's my score, but this isn't me." You know, they want to define themselves differently than what's on the scorecard.
0: Right. Yeah. It's yeah. And now, like, man, and and that's an absolutely real thing, and it's very prevalent in archery. I mean, too too many people put their self worth and their self value. They attach that to their score right and it's like they feel like if they shoot a bad score then people won't like them and it's like no man that's not actually how it works like if you're a good (laughs) person and you're cool people will like you regardless of your score we want to see you have success and we want to see you do well but no nobody is like oh god don't talk to that guy he he didn't shoot a good score (laughs) nobody has ever done that and nobody will ever do that
1: yeah the way i see it is if you have a beer for me afterwards, I don't care what what score you shot.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, man. And 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 the thing is, is that if when people can't own up to it and they can't just say, "Hey, I just didn't have it today," right? Yes. Then it's like, dude, I don't even want to hear it. When people are just like, "Hey, man, I didn't have it. I sucked." It's like, okay, here's a shoulder to cry on. I'll listen to you, right? <laughs> it's like <laughs> you go ahead and tell me your sob story, but. When people won't just admit it and just say, hey, dude, I just it wasn't there for me today because that that's how I've always tried to be. And I, and I think that's another thing that separates really good shooters from mediocre shooters is that the really good shooters never blame the equipment. The really good shooters always put it back on themselves. They say, OK, it didn't go well today and I didn't shoot the score that I wanted. And this is why it's because I didn't execute well, or it's because I was missing my anchor points, or I was misaligning or whatever it is, they always put that back on themselves. And they say, Okay, I'm going to go out this week, and I'm going to really work on keeping my alignment, maintaining my alignment, maintaining my anchors, I'm really going to work on these things to make myself better. And Good shooters do that. Mediocre shooters try and blame it on the bow, and that and that's really where the difference is.
1: Right, like it's something out of their control.
0: Right, or and they and they, like they they don't want to admit that. Hey, I'm human and I make mistakes. Right, and the good shooters are like, Hey, I'm human and I made mistakes, and I need to try and and be more robotic in what I'm doing.
1: Dude, so Blake, your 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 mental game, like it seems like you have a fairly strong like level mental game here is this something that you've built from reading books or talking to people or is it just something you've built on your own
0: well, I, you know, I think it comes from a lot of different sources. You mentioned L- Lanny Basham. I really, really like that book with winning in mind. I think that was that was actually a big eye opener for me. Um, uh-huh. a, about two or three years after I got started, um, I you know I went to Vegas and and I got relatively good at archery pretty quickly. Right within within it, in my very first year of target archery, the very first indoor uh, shoot up that I ever shot Vegas round, I shot two ninety seven in my first year. Damn. Um, so from the very beginning, it was like I had an okay handle on it, but I got pretty quickly to where I could shoot 299s, 298s, 297s every once in a while, bang out a 300. I got there pretty quickly, but when I would go to Vegas, I would shoot like a 291, right? And I was just like, what is happening? Like, what is happening? And I just happened to be walking by the trade show in Vegas, and the Lanny Basham booth was there. And I remember somebody talking about, I was like, Oh, I'm going to read this book. So I bought that book and I like read it in the hotel room and I was just like, Oh my God, I'm doing everything wrong. I'm approaching this wrong. I'm too concerned with what my, what the outcome's going to be. Um, so I just really shifted my thought process from not worrying about anybody that's around me. Right. I, I can't control what you do out there. So, so why am I stepping up to the line and trying to play defense? I need to just go up there and play offense and just, shoot the best shots that I can shoot and just kind of let it all fall where it falls. And that's kind of, that's, that's how I've tried to become, I, I don't, I don't allow myself to get angry out there if it doesn't go, if it doesn't go well. Um, I just try and be very, very level headed. And when you do that, it really starts to build confidence. And I think confidence is key in this game, right? If you can, if, if you believe that you can do it and Probably the the one piece of advice that I tell people almost on a daily basis is that the difference between any elite shooter, you take like a Jesse Broadwater or or anybody out there that is really, really good. And you take your average shooter. The difference is that every single time, every single time that I draw my bow back, I one million percent believe that I will shoot a bullseye. I know that I will. Right now, that doesn't mean that I always do. I, you know, I, I miss my right. share of points too, but every but single time I do, you,
1: that's the yeah, mindset you approach with
0: every single time I draw back. I believe that I will. And for the majority of people out there, every time they draw back, they hope that they will. And that's really where the difference is.
1: <laughs> yes, dude, I see that. I totally see that.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't make a difference to me. If the target's out there at 80 yards or whatever, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to shoot this. <laughs> like I'm going to hit it. And then, you know, when, and and i try and i try and trick my brain so when when i do miss it's like oh god that was weird that's not like me to do that right i mm-hmm. it is like me to shoot bullseyes it's not like me to miss bullseyes mm-hmm. so and and i think that if you can approach it with that type of attitude that whole fake it until you make it thing is very very real and if you can approach it with that attitude of hey i shoot arrows in the middle and if you can if you can convince your brain that that's what you do you are more likely to do it
1: Right. I, I, I fully like 100% agree with you in like this was uh, like one of my hard years shooting just because I just have, you know, I figured I had a baby. So I'm just gonna have to juggle priorities, but I still approach every target that same way Where it's like, all right, let's solve this math problem, you know like let's yeah. let's let's 22 this bitch
0: <laughs> yeah and and that's exact. and that is the mindset that you have to have if you if you step up there and again if you break it into percentages let's say that you step up to a 45 yard target your percentage of shooting a 22 there right mm-hmm. probably probably somewhere in the 90s right like 90 yep. times out of 100 you're gonna shoot a 22 at 45 yards uh-huh. right if you start to have that shred of doubt what are now your odds of hitting that 22 oh, yeah. right 100%. your odds your, your odds start to plummet, right? You know, so I mean, you, you cannot have doubt.
1: You're right. Like the second doubt enters your mind, that number now starts to just move.
0: Yeah, exactly. And now what am I at? I'm at a 50 50 shot. Well, that's not good enough. 50 50 is not going to get it done. Right. right? So we you now we lost are...
1: your yeah. percentage just on mindset alone.
0: That's ex- And that's exactly it. And one of the things that Lanny Basham talks about in that book with winning in mind is that if people walk around and say, Such and such sport, take golf as an example, archery, any shooting sport. If such and such sport is 97% mental, why is 97% of our practice routine not working on getting more mentally tough? And, uh, yeah. And, and so we, we spend all of this time shooting, but we don't spend all of this time thinking about how we're going to approach the game. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, my, my dad's a good example. I shoot with my dad all the time. And for a senior, he shoots very, very, very well. And, He's just, he's always like, you know, it's just frustrating to shoot with you because you make it look so easy. And I was like, well, the difference between us, because my dad shoots a ton too, right? He's not married. Um, he, he's got all the time. He works swing shifts. So he's got all the time until like four o'clock in the afternoon to shoot his bow. And that's basically all he does. And, and, you know, I'm just like, the difference is, is that I believe that I can do it. And you don't have that same belief, right? You, you doubt yourself. And that's why you shoot, you know, when we're shooting Vegas rounds that's where you're not from is that you don't believe that you can do it every time. That, that, makes, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that makes sense, dude. Mindset's a huge part of the game.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's everything, really, because I, you know, I tell people all the time that if you go to Vegas or you go to Reading or, or you go anywhere that has a lot of good shooters, you can look down the line and see 400 shooters that all look about the same as far as form and execution. Like, there's 400 shooters out there that have the ability to shoot the bow well what's the difference the difference is the mindset it's yeah, it's, it's the what guys you can't that see. It's, yeah be, it's, it's between the ears exactly it's those guys that can get it done when when it counts when when you need it right and and you know like this like going back to Oregon this weekend like i knew on the second day that austin had an easier day than i did so i'm like okay well austin's not going to drop very many points today so i really <laughs> Really? Because he shot the hard part of the course on the first day and only dropped four. And I'm just like, damn, he only dropped four through the hard part. I really need to have a strong day today. And so just, you know, I I didn't allow myself to get nervous. So I just mentally was like, okay, well, you can do this. I mean, there's not a dot out here that you can't hit. So just take a deep breath, execute your shots, do what you do in practice. And then I think the other advantage that I have, and I don't know if somebody like Austin or Bodie or, or Paige or Tate or any of these guys do the same thing, but when I do shoot outside and I do shoot at dots, I only ever shoot at a two-inch orange dot. So I'll put a little tiny two-inch orange dot out there, and I'll stand at 60, and I'll shoot 100 arrows at a two-inch dot. So when I do go to a tournament, it's like, oh, this four-inch dot at 60 looks gigantic compared to what I normally shoot at, God, right? So. Yeah. I don't ever allow myself to shoot at a regulation dot. I always shoot at much, much smaller dots. And I do the same thing with field. Like I will set our course up without 65 centimeter targets. I always run one target size smaller for each shot. So if it's the 80 yard walk up, I shoot the 50 centimeter spot instead of the 65, right? If, if it's anything with a 35 centimeter dot, I put the birdie dot up there and I shoot those and I will shoot an entire field round. With one dot size smaller than what is actually regulation. That way, when I go to a field round, I'm like, damn, all these dots look giant. That
1: is brilliant. And and... I'm
0: writing it down.
1: That's my practice (laughs) routine right
0: there. And, And I think it really, really helps. And if nothing else, it helps the mental game because. I've been to reading several times where we walk around the corner and somebody in my group is like, Oh, that dot, that dot looks so small. And I'm just like, Oh man, that dot looks gigantic. This is going to be an easy one. (laughs) Right. So I, and, and just saying the words that dot looks small, what's that bring your percentage down to, right? You're no longer at 90%. Your percentage is now down there around 70 because you just told yourself that this dot's going to be hard. right? Right. And meanwhile, I'm sitting here telling myself, Oh damn, this dot looks easy. Like this is a big dot. So I I highly recommend to anybody out there always shoot dots that are smaller than what you're going to be expected to shoot at the next tournament. Damn. And so for like that 900 round that I shot this year that I shot an 898 on that's a 122 centimeter face. I did all of my practice on an 80 centimeter face, and I I shot 900 round after 900 round on an 80 centimeter face. And then when I showed up to the 900 round, I was like, oh my God, this is the most gigantic dot of all, <laughs> you know, and I just, I couldn't miss, you know? So yeah. So for I,
1: Vegas, I, do you practice on the World Archery Super 10
0: target? So for Vegas, that's kind of probably the the one thing. I, I guess the caveat is that I do all of that for outdoor. For Vegas, I just practice Vegas rounds. I do, I still do a ton of blank bell because that's, that's the one round probably more than any other round where execution it's it's all a game of execution it is just it is just you you don't have to click your sight, you don't have to even tune your bow if you don't want to it is just all (laughs) about it is just stand there execute shot after shot after shot and it's it whoever wins a vegas round is just the guy that could execute the best whereas when we're shooting outdoor, there's other factors, you know. Did did this guy level his sight? Did was his third axis good? Did did he have Rich. good marks? What did you know? He do did his he yeah. did he do everything that he needed to do to be good? But indoors, it's not like that. It's the ultimate kind of leveler, the playing field leveler, leveler as as it's just me versus you with your bow and my bow, and who can stand here and execute the best shots, and uh-huh. so. So I'm actually really, really addicted to indoor. I think the more that I do this, the more that I like indoor more than I do outdoor outdoors, just got so much work that goes into it. (laughs) You (laughs) know, like, like there's so much that goes into outdoor as far as making sure everything is set up correctly and that you have perfect marks and you have, you know, timing is perfect. Whereas I feel like when you get inside, all of that stuff doesn't really matter. It's just I don't ever even touch my, I don't even check my bow indoor. I just, yeah, the timing's probably fine, whatever, <laughs> you know? So it's just, yeah. shoot, just shoot your bow, right? Yeah. Um, so for Vegas rounds, I just shoot lots and lots of Vegas rounds and blank bill. I don't, I don't do anything where I'm aiming at smaller dots or doing world archery stuff. I just try and get my, myself very, very familiar and very comfortable with shooting that target. Gotcha.
1: What kind of um what kind of arrow do you do you have like a special arrow build for indoor?
0: i mean i i don't i don't really geek out about that kind of stuff really i mean i shoot the i shoot Excellent. the gold tip <laughs> i shoot the gold tip triple x's um i've been shooting the q2i three inch veins i think those are really cool veins mm-hmm. um and then i shoot like a full link shaft with a 250 grain point i kind of played around with 200 grain points and 300 grain points i feel like i shot the best x counts with 250s um so that's just kind of what i settled on last year and i i sh- I shot indoor really, really strong last year. So, I mean, I'll probably do something very similar this year. Sweet. Yeah. Wait, how, how about
1: your field arrow? Is your field arrow just pretty much a
0: – That a one I put
1: – Do you do anything special?
0: Well, I put a little bit more – I put a little bit more into that. I mean, I found I, – I did some testing with, like – helical versus offset versus straight fletch. And I found that the faster that I could get my arrows to spin the better. So like anybody that ever sees my arrows are like, man, you put a lot of twists on your arrows. And I'm like, yeah, you know, if I can get them to, if I can get them to spin faster, they stabilize a little bit better. And I feel like they group better at longer distances. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, and I did some kind of extensive playing with that Um, out of my bow, out of my draw length. I found that a, a perfect arrow length for me. I've played with longer arrows. I've played with shorter arrows. Um, So I ended up at like 29.75 inches with 130 grain point. Um, I really like the Easton G pins. I just recently actually went from the 1.75 AE max veins to the 2.1 inch Q2I veins. I feel like the 2.1 inch vein is stabilizing the arrow a little bit better. And I feel like actually I immediately started shooting better groups after I fletched with the 2.1 inch. Um, especially at long distances. Like, it it felt like it was actually very, very immediate. Like, I imme- – and there's not very much that you can do in archery where you get instant, immediate results like that. Uh-huh. Um, And I feel like after reading, after I refletched with these 2.1-inch fans, that my groups got quite a bit tighter, and it was just like, oh, damn, this the, these are better. I like these a lot. This is working really well out of this bow. Dude, I'm seeing more and more – Two inch veins on X10. Yeah, I mean it, you know, it's just it's just the principle of putting more drag on the end of the arrow. If you put more drag on, because when you shoot an arrow, right, all of that energy from the bow is transferred into the point, the very tip of the arrow. And the arrow is actually pulled through the air, it's not actually pushed through the air. Mm-hmm. Right. So all of that energy goes to the field point, and the veins are there to correct any kind of tail wobble, right? Um, so the more drag that you put on the end of the arrow, the better it's gonna stabilize that arrow in flight. So I mean it just it just makes sense that the more drag that you have on the end of the arrow to a point is going to probably produce better results and better groups.
1: That makes sense. Do you run a 120 grain point?
0: 130 is what I've settled on.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, Blake, we are at you are my longest podcast, dude. One hour five minutes. <laughs>
0: All right, perfect, dude. Well, thank
1: you so much for coming on. Um, I would love to interview you again in the future.
0: Yeah, man, I really appreciate it. It's fun. Like I said, you know, I, I, uh, when I go to tournaments, I kind of get a bad rap for being like this really quiet guy, and I am at tournaments. I just, it's, it's not that, it's not that I'm not approachable. It's not that I'm not a nice guy. I just i am trying to stay super focused on what i'm trying to do so i don't really talk to a lot of people but i definitely love sitting down and talking archery with people and you know it's it's dude, really catch. enjoyable i i love coaching people i you know i just i i love trying to give back to the sport that really has given so much to me so
1: well thank you blake uh, yeah dude, man. i will hit you a- after uh, the next few events dude i'll hit you up and we can talk some indoor
0: yeah that sounds awesome man
1: awesome dude thank you very much
0: all right no problem have a good uh, night bye man